Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship and everything in between. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., Chief Information Security Officer. And today we have a special episode. We're interviewing an anonymous cybersecurity professional about her experiences with harassment. And to protect her identity, we've changed her voice and the image accompanying this episode uses a portrait rendered in mid-journey. Thank you for coming on the show. I would normally say happy to be here, but I would rather say I wish we were here to talk about different things, but nevertheless, I think this is an important message and I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, earlier this year, George and I talked pretty openly on the show about the harassment that our friends had experienced over hacker summer camp in Las Vegas. And we got very heated as one might imagine, but that was us talking about it. And I thought it was very important that we should get somebody who has experienced personally to share what they can. So it's not just two guys talking about it, but I think it behooves us to start, you know, with the obvious, how did you start in cyber and why are we conducting this interview anonymously? You know, I, I almost want to laugh and it's not because it's funny, but it's, it is, there's, there's like, yeah, I almost feel like I'm here as the professional woman that's been harassed and what an awful thing to kind of think about. Right. But to everyone else, I'd say in the world, if, if you saw my LinkedIn, if you know who it was, you would see me as a professional woman in cybersecurity. Um, yet what I have found is that many women have probably gone through various gravities of mostly sexual harassment, but also then of course, on the, other, on the flip side of that is the misogyny or the women can't do cyber. Um, and so the sad part to answer your question, right, is I find that if women do speak up highly or, or loudly about this, I think it comes across very victim-y and then it introduces even more, um, it almost sets us backwards, I find, because then, and it's not just a man versus woman thing, but then it seems to be like, oh, well, women just want to get ahead, or they're just looking for a shortcut, and it totally invalidates the experience, um, this experience, or these types of experiences. Um, so... I guess I won't tell you my name or where I'm from, but I can tell you that I've been doing cybersecurity for um, under 15 years. I did start in the military and then I did go into corporate consulting. Um, if you looked at my resume, you'd see success, achievements, highlights, education as well. Um, what you don't see and what, and, and just to be clear, it's not that um, I'm uncomfortable speaking about this, it's, it is that more so that a, there is, I think, a, I've started to see a real stigma that if you mm -hmm. do talk a lot about this, or if you have been harassed actually more than once, it sounds like my experience, some people start to question if you're the problem. And instead of wondering, which is the reality, are there just a lot of problem men or you know, people, I shouldn't just specify men, but again, this is not men versus women, but there are some key bad apples. And me as a woman, I find more often, obviously I've been harassed by men. So I do want to be clear about that. Um, I do know that it can go the other way, but in my experience, um, I'll tell you when I was in the military, one of the reasons I got out, pretty much the only reason I got out was even though I never had any issue with my work products and what I was doing, I was constantly berated that I could not be in cybersecurity as a woman. And honestly, I just got really tired of it. And mm -hmm. it just started after a few years of that, it just got really tiring of why am I fighting this? And I had the option to get out instead of re-enlisting and I did. Um, because actually a light bulb did go off and I realized I could do this. Um, they were telling me that I could basically be in medical or public affairs. And I almost wanted to go into that. That said, when I did enter the corporate cyber world, um, I didn't see 
you know, an issue right away. But about my, right at the end of my first year, I had a client. And as you can imagine, here I am still in a junior role. And the client was taking an interest in me on a team of maybe five. Um, I was the only woman on that team. Not that I ever thought of it that way, but since then I, I do kind of, I realize that, um, but I didn't think anything of it. I don't think I should. I was just another person on the team. If anything, the only thing I thought of was I was the junior. Um, but this person ended up that night telling me how his marriage was going to end and he was super attracted to me. Oh, and fuck I just, off. Yeah, oh, God yeah. damn it. He was a director, a very oh, hot director. Jesus and Christ. he was smart yeah. about it. Now here's, I will admit, this is, you can say it was dumb or naive or I was too trusting and maybe being in the military, I should have had better. But, you know, here I am trying to make a good impression, right, as I've been taught on a client. And I, uh, a few people had left after dinner. And then, of course, there were some drinks. And my manager and I went, we're the only two left with him and another associate from the client. And she wanted to go take a cigarette and, and he went with her. So I was under the impression they were coming back. And that mm. is when this very smart, savvy director made his, started to make his move. And I remember just thinking like, oh, I'm just going to wait until my manager comes back and then I'll leave. And then I, I think I said something like, hey, you know, they've been gone a while. Should we check on them? And he's like, oh, I told them to leave. I, I told them like he needs to drop her off. She was drunk. Um and I remember thinking, like, you know what, then the night really should be over. But here, so here's the thing. I am not a very shy person, uh, for those who know me. And if, if, let's just say the three of us were at a bar and some random guy walked up, I wouldn't need you to do anything for me. I would have no problem telling this guy, hey, buddy, fuck off. Like, that is, that's just true. But when I've realized it comes into the industry and it comes into my career and it comes into my profession, it, I've realized I actually do freeze up because to me, it's either I can, be the crazy girl and then you're going to think I'm crazy and then there's a good chance I'll lose out on job opportunities or project opportunities yeah or I you know or I can also complain about it and then that enters in this reprisal potential or I don't it's want to take it but I can be quiet and try to figure out just the least confrontational exit which is what I try to do now at the time I was being really polite and he's like, well, let me at least walk you back to your car. And I'm just thinking like, okay, fine. I just want to get out of here. Mm. Um, even though it's not like I was in a really bad place or a scary place. It just, I just, it was late. And honestly, there, even though we were at a bar, I, I would not say that I drank very much, especially since I remember it so clearly. But um, he ended up pushing me and leaving a hickey on my neck the size of like, will look like a baseball. Jesus Christ. Um, and again, it's like, man, if I hit you now, it's like this new junior girl. If I'm like, what the hell, right? Then it's like she punched a director at work. Like, employee, I'm, it's it's overwhelming. Um, and that one, I guess to speed up that story, I, uh, I called in sick the next day because I had this hickey. I was really upset. Just like, what do I do? Um, then this guy, to be fair, he was, I'm going to say an idiot. Um, because he then started texting me that he's going to put me on a project. Our project was ending. He's like, I want to put you on an extension project. And it was a job at the time I really had no experience in. I mean, it was a very high level or very uh, technical project manager role that, mm -hmm. again, I had just gotten out of the military. I was very technical in one area. This was not my area. Obviously, now I could do that job, but that's not the point. And he texted right. me saying, like, I just want to keep looking. Something along the lines of, like, I want to just keep looking at your body every day. Oh, and... And that to me was like, wow, how bold and how brazen. Now, um, I've obviously listened to the show, so I know that it's not, uh, I haven't, I don't think it's anyone's seen audio, but just so everyone knows, you guys have like your your hands on your faces and you're just yeah. like, oh my God, right? Yeah, we're just. Um, yeah, that was almost closer to a decade ago. And that was the first time that I'd ever, I really hate the word assaulted, um, but I feel like that really goes to the magnitude of someone put their hands on me when I did not, when I did not want it. No, that, that is very clearly that's assault. assault. And that's I, pretty yeah. assault, yeah. I, yeah, and it's, um, I will say I was very, one of the things I do want to make clear that I think a lot of people get wrong is there's this myth and perception like, oh, if a woman doesn't get her way, she'll just go to HR and ruin someone's career. And I can tell you that, I've been to HR three times. Um, every time I'm like, this is the last thing I want to do. 
I don't want to go to HR. I don't mm. even want to be dealing with this. Yeah. Um, in this first instance, I really was afraid. Okay. I knew the optics. There was a bar. It was going to be, he said, she said, here's someone who'd been at the company uh, many more years than I had and had much more years of experience and credibility, et cetera, in cyber. Um, but I did tell my manager the next day, I just, I just, well, what I felt most pressured by is I didn't want to be on this project where this guy, I would have to see him again. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that if I just said, Hey, I don't want to do a project, it would actually raise more eyebrows if I didn't have a good reason, right? As a junior person being requested on a project is usually, I wouldn't say a dream, but that's great when a client requests you, right? Usually right. that's good. Um, so that is when my manager went to HR, this person was fired. Um, and the story gets that much better because, well, I didn't think anything of it, um, many years later, well, he went to a company that let's just say I had friends go to about two or so years later who started asking me to come to this company now. And I had a really good friend who also left that big four company, went to this other services company. And he's like, why? He's like, I've asked you, I think, you know, multiple times, why aren't you saying yes? Like, I, I think you need to leave. I know you'd be happier here. And I finally had to, and again, I had to like, say like, you don't get it. This guy is now a high up director. And this person didn't know what happened to me the first time. And I, so I had to tell him, this is what happened. And this is why this guy left the big four that we were at and went to this other company, the startup that you're now at. And I said, so until this person leaves, I'm not going there because that scares me, right? Yeah. How can you walk into a new company? What am I going to do? I can't go to HR. I mean, and, and tell them this happened at the last company. I mean, I could, I potentially could, but it just seems so messy. So that was that. Um, that was, um, you know, quite a few years ago, I went on with my career. As you know, a pandemic did happen. And I hate to say, luckily, at least in my experience, there was no inappropriate behavior or even really misogynistic behavior. It could be where I was. I, I did end up going to a different firm. Um, and again, we were remote. I'm sure I don't have to go too much into, into that. I would say, though, that... Um, some may think that I prefer remote work because of that. Um, one thing is, again, this is just me. I like working in person. I, I really enjoy, you know, the hybrid model, but it definitely seems a lot safer in the remote environment. However, I question if, because we were all remote, um, as you'll all get to in a second, how's that increased some of the bad behavior now because people do work remote and they feel maybe more autonomy, more protection. I don't know, but I can tell you that, and maybe it's just that I've been getting higher up in my career. I don't know. I can tell you though, it has continued. And um, as I've shared with George K, I, I've experienced a lot more, more recently, which is kind of, for me, I don't know why it's just happening more, but um Last year, I was on a newer team and someone else who happened to be local, even though we mostly work remote, he, my director said, why don't you two meet, you know, just to meet since you guys have that opportunity. And so we did meet up, we were having a good time. And he started asking me first, he's like, why is a great girl like you single? And I yeah, thought, let me shut this down right now. Yes, please. <laughs> now, maybe I didn't give the right answer because the very, you know, I tried to say like, hey, something like I just haven't met the right person. But, you know, I also try to always stress like for me, I don't want to date in our industry, not because it's a bad industry, but because in a totally separate realm, I'm I actually am afraid that if I were to potentially date or marry someone in our industry, they would just assume that all of a sudden that any achievements I had, I either slept to get ahead, married to get ahead, or somehow my achievements would be null and void. And it would just be like, oh, well, she's with that person. Um, yeah. Can, so, sorry, I mean, can I interrupt? 10 years for, and see who I, I end up with. But can I just interrupt you for one second? Because I do want to point out, like, I think what you're talking about is like all these considerations and sort of like gaming of decisions that you have to go through is like this extra mental weight that it's like, like oh, the yeah. whole, like, maybe I didn't shut it down properly. It's like, you shouldn't have to wonder that, right? Like these are the, this is like the cumulative effect of this. So I, I don't know if you can speak to 
you know, outside of these discrete instances, because I think that's what a lot of men think. They think harassment is like a this one uncomfortable moment. Right. But I think you you have told this story that starting 10 years ago, you've had to do this, but it, it affects your decision making, right? It affects how you approach. The There's work. another thing, too, to speak to about. Um, I look at this as like cyber harassment, right, which is a very real thing. And it applies uh, not only in industry, like my my sister's a, a high school principal. And when she kind of shares some of the, the harassment stories that she deals with some of her students, I, you know, I graduated high school in like 2005. Uh, it's a completely different game, right? When it comes to the mm-hmm. cyberbullying, cyber harassment. So you take that to the workforce and you're dealing with folks who have never um, really had themselves adjusted from this type of negative behavior. I, I look at the remote work sometimes as an opportunity for them, or they'd see it as an opportunity. And I'm sure you probably have some stories, it sounds like, of uh, men or individuals taking advantage of that, unfortunately. Well, the irony is I think that those who are in the corporate America sphere are smart enough to not put anything in a cyber, you know, on a, on a workstation in a text typically, right? Because they mm-hmm. know that they're, they're, that could just be sent to HR. Um, and I would say that most of them, I know to make these comments and gestures in person. So then it really, you know, it undermines if a woman does go to HR, because it becomes a he said, she said. So, and to your point, what am I going to do? Record every conversation or <laughs> live in this extra paranoia that takes up so much energy. Um, Yes. Sorry. No, I just had some thoughts. Um, but <laughs> sorry, just to kind of continue, because there are like two things I, and I know I'm being very detailed is, so last year I did have this person that asked me if I, why I didn't. Um, so mm-hmm. he asked me, why is a great girl like you single? And I tried to give off an answer of like, you know, just kind of got a relationship or and just, I don't want to date is kind of what I tried to say. Um, and then he said, would you ever date a man like me? And that's when I was like, really, I need to shut God. this down. Um, and to be honest with you, I, again, think of it now, here's a colleague that I don't want to just straight up insult, but the, the answer in my head was absolutely not like, there's nothing about this guy that I would ever say yes about. I found out two months later at a conference, he's married and had a, a baby that was seven months or his wife was seven months pregnant. So keep that in mind. Right. So here he is hitting on me at the time. Awesome. We were just meeting up because we worked for the same company and lived in the same city. Um, and I want to be able to meet my coworkers as I have before. Um, and so nothing else happened that night. So I actually thought that he got the message when I did respect, find a better, maybe artful way to say, you know, Hey, I don't really date people I work with. And honestly, I just don't feel like you're my type. I'd really just prefer it if we can stay, you know, friends or professional. And I really felt, I thought he heard me because the behavior stopped. Um, we then had a working lunch a month later and he was helping me just, kind of set some things up just from an onboarding perspective. And we were just having, again, a lunch, broad daylight, like 12, you know, in the afternoon. And um, he started saying, because it was my forensics laptop, you know, what porn do you watch? You know, you can watch porn on this. Um, and mm-hmm. I just tried to be like, okay, like knock it off. Um, Simon, was this, was this dude at your level? Was he an equal? He was actually. No. Okay. No. Just, just for context for listeners. Yep. No, that's helpful. Um, he was. And again, I just try to be like, you know what? We haven't worked together directly on a project and clearly like, so then we happen to be at an event together and I, in my mental preparation and on a personal note, I had gotten back together with a boyfriend and I thought, well, if I just tell him this, like, then I, I should be safe. And I also brought up the point at some point in a chat, like, oh, hey, I heard you're married and you have a kid on the way. Congrats. Trying to be like, hey, buddy, I know. <laughs> trying to make it super hey, obvious. Yeah. Trying to make it, like, I thought between that and when we ran into each other, it, you know, and I didn't just blurt it out. But it came up like, oh, what's new with you? Like, oh, you know, back with my boyfriend, um, whatever. He then... He put his, we were sitting um, kind of next to each other um, and he put his hand on my thigh and started to like go down my thigh and say, would this make your boyfriend jealous? And then said, so if you're back here with your boyfriend, you guys must have slept together. What are your favorite positions? And I just looked at him and I said, you've got to be kidding me. What I said, the fuck? 
Yeah. So I was like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm done here. I think I'm gonna go. He put his arm around me again. He's next to me, and he went to give me a hug, and he squeezed my my left um, breast twice. Did you punch him in the throat right away? No, Tell me I would be the right crazy away. person. I'm not kidding. So I did actually decide to go to HR because I was like, I clearly will not work with this person. That to Jesus me was Christ. like the final straw. Now, an argument could be made that I should have avoided him completely. But again, I was trying to keep like it was a small issue. Well, not small, but a medium sized team. And I was also the only woman on it. Well, well, again, this is the thing. Sorry, the counter argument is like you should not have to like reprogram your entire way of being and working around yeah. this shitty behavior. Right. And it's so I did go to HR with that and I said, listen, like, do whatever you want. Like, I, you know. I'm not, I said, I'm not looking to get him fired unless you think that's appropriate because I just was like, I, I'm not trying to like be this woman on some like hellfire path. I just don't want to work with him. I'm clearly uncomfortable. And like, I'm just saying that, like, I think you need to know about this, but I, I really genuinely did not want to go to HR. And I remember calling, um, I'm very close to an uncle and he was just like, what the heck? Like you need to do this. And I just remember thinking like, I just don't want to work with this person. Like, that's it. I just don't want to work with this person. You know, I even half thought about, should I go to his wife? But I was like, I just, I don't want to have to deal with this drama. And yeah, you shouldn't I have, not to. have to fix yes. everything and everybody to the ninth level. Um, and so I did end up going to HR. The interesting thing is this company did not actually tell me the results of their investigation. Oh, um, cool. But they did tell me that they handled it and they agreed that we wouldn't work together. So we never did work together. Um, and if I'm being really honest, I was actually laid off from this company six months later. And I questioned if that had something to do with it. I have no idea. I don't know for sure. I will tell you right before I got laid off, another individual who I have no idea if he knew about this first individual at this company, um, knew about it also same level. We were at a internal offsite together and we were in a very boring briefing i will admit and he sent me a message and he just said hey i have a question for you and i'm just thinking like yeah hey what's up like i'm just trying to be a good colleague and friend i had worked with him a little bit um he started telling me how much he liked my feet God. <laughs> <laughs> And while it's easy to laugh at, and I'm sure he thought he was being very flattering, I found it completely uncomfortable because I I obsess over what I wear, not because I like fashion, but because I am trying to, um, and I kind of, you know, thought I'd maybe say this later, but, you know, I've had people tell me, men, some men, and I think the problem is they don't think it's harassment because they think it's positive. That's my take of what I, I've come to my theory on it because I'm like, Oh, it's so hard to behave when you're so attractive. Like, look at how you're dressed. I love, like they'll say something to that effect. And I've started to be like, what would you like me to wear that would stop this behavior? And what I've realized is I know in my, it both in my heart and in, in my mind from my extreme mental load of, of time on this. Um, there are plenty of women, you know, in the middle East, right. That they wear burkas and all you see their eyes or maybe their their hands and they are sexually harassed and raped at an even higher alarming rate and so i do know at the end of the day it really has nothing to do with what i wear another thing i've realized is it really has nothing to do with what i wear because and it's more about these men feel either entitled or they feel invincible or you know they've had clearly they've had this before where they've hit on a woman and it maybe goes their way and there's also no consequences um but lesbians don't hit on me or harass. I should say they don't harass me. I've actually had two lesbians in my life hit on me. And it was like, I'm not interested. And they're like, okay, no worries. No harassment there. You know? Um, so it cannot, I don't think it's what I'm wearing. Because if that were true, then then women, I'm sure, not to say that I'm like the sexiest woman alive or anything. But, you know, if men supposedly can't control themselves, but women can, I think that that really leads to okay, more often than not, either these men don't care or, again, they feel invincible or there's just something there about being a man. And so it's if I can put some this context on the on what you're talking about with the Middle East, you brought it up a couple of times, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian Arab. Um, 
And in my household, um, women were like, I'm the youngest in, in my, my household. And between my mom and my two sisters, uh, I was definitely the lowest on the totem pole. And anytime I ever tried to step up, my dad uh, made sure I knew my place because he's a good dude. And, you know, like this, this whole thing about like women um, being more susceptible to harassment and assault, it's not, it's not like a across the board thing. It's like there are certain communities and certain men. And, and unfortunately, this is like a legitimate cultural issue when it comes to certain demographics of men. And it's not just a Middle Eastern thing because North America, like Western white men, have the same kind of uh, problem, just a different flavor to it. Mm. They feel that they have the right to do what they want. Right. And the problem with this is because they never experience consequences for this type of behavior at any point in their lives. Right. So what I see from kind of the stories you're talking about with some of the other fellows who uh, I presume are not Middle Eastern. And if they are, then, you know, whatever, same thing applies. You're in a Western cultural context. Um, it sounds like these dudes have either never had the courage to try to do this before. Like when I think of the, the gentleman you're talking about who's married, you know, wife seven months pregnant. He probably looked at you and, and I'm listening to kind of like the, the points of how these scenarios happen. You're mm-hmm. the only woman on the team, which immediately is a massive problem because if there's multiple women on a team, usually this kind of shit, like the chances of it get greatly reduced because there are multiple women there. Presumably you guys are supporting each other, talking mm-hmm. to each other. And it also like creates a little bit more of a balanced power structure between gender structure for sure. Yeah. I, I just want to throw out, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. I, think, I just want to say that in my experience, I think there's two types of women, at least. There's those that have grown up and they, I'm not going to say they sleep, not not to that degree, but um, more like they, they've they learned that in order to get ahead, they need to play by like, let's say the boy club rules, right? Little boy club rules, which you spoke only when spoken to, you don't speak up with your own ideas, you just do what essentially a man will tell you to do. Um, and you're not maybe equal, but you are okay with that because you keep your job and you kind of just, you're good at being in the background. Um, I do want to stress that for that team, I was the first woman who was on the incident response team. There were other women program managers or solution engineers that occasionally did obviously, uh, work alongside the team, but I would say that I found them to be more of the kind of like, you know, we we fall in line, the line we've been told to fall in. And we, not to say that I wasn't falling in line, but it was like, you know, you just, you didn't have as much of a voice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's what I feel like I've started to see again. That's, and I think that um, if I'm being really honest, I've had a few men say, you know, the problem for women is that the women can't even support the women. And that's why I don't think it's just a woman or a man. Like, you know, it's not just the man men's fault because most of them I don't think are like this. Like I could tell you, I just told you about what three men I've worked with so many more that are great and respectful and professional and have mentored me and been great. And, but we don't, we're not talking about them because they're not part of the problem. Hmm. But what I've also learned is a lot of, the men that are not part of the problem assume the problem has been fixed. Which then means that then they're inadvertently enabling it. Yeah. Well, that is a, a good place to take a break. We will come back to talk about trying to address and fix the problem. This is the brass tacks portion of the show as it normally is. Obviously, we've deviated a little from the the normal format, but I know that George and I have talked about this and and thank you for sharing your stories. So I want to talk a little bit more about what can be done. I, I think, you know, the macro is very big and but it is made up of individual contributions. And I know we will get those questions. People will ask us, well, okay, well, what can I do individually? I have some ideas, but I want to 
leave this space open for you in terms of like looking back on these stories or looking back on things. The obvious answer is of like, go to HR, you know, maybe those are problematic, but I don't know. What would you say to, to somebody who is hearing this and has never harassed somebody and is like, this story is awful. I didn't know it was this bad. You know, what can I do to help? Cause that is a, a question we'll probably get. I think the first thing I would recommend, um, especially more so for men, but even women, I think is, you know, ask your inner circle, you know, whether you work together or not, you know, ask them if you have mentors or mentees, I think the first part is growing awareness because this project or this problem, excuse me, is so under the radar again, because there's fear, but I know through sharing, right. As I shared with you, George K, um, which is why we're here today. Um, cause you are in my network and I'm thankful to have that as well as you, George A. Um, but <laughs> I think that that's the first part, you know, um, Actually, at one of the RSAs, I made a quick exit once and a mentor of mine, so at the time he didn't understand it. And I, so I had just been hit on by someone that straight up basically tried to put a hotel key in my hand and said, hey, you're sexy. You should come to me in my hotel. Just like that. Like, I thought it was very out of nowhere. It was, yes, so someone. Someone straight up took a hotel key and pulled a nice shoes, want to fuck. Yes. At a fucking public, like a professional event. I I think it was a event, yes. Um, so we were having a good time. We'd gone, of course, after the RSA convention. This is, you know, maybe like the they had all the after events, and this was one of the uh, the like the ten o'clock event, and it was a fun. I will say it was a fun event, and I was I was having a great day, and I was mostly with some people I thought were friends, and then you know they had their own networks of friends, as you know, and I had met. A, a CISO. Um, and for the record, I'd like to be a CISO one day. So I professionally and, and, and through my friends also would like to have friends in this industry. Right. And so did meet someone and, um, you know, I don't know if it was the alcohol or what. Um, and just for the record, just so we know, I was wearing a blazer and, uh, you know, a, I thought a professional outfit, um, just to be clear. And yep said that. And so then I just remember feeling shocked. And at the time I, I did go to a friend and she's like, well, let's get out of here. It's very loud. Like, let's just talk about it in a minute. And I just remember feeling like it just, it just ruined my night. It just went from a great day and a great night. And I just was like, I just want to go. Um, mm. But I also, again, did not want to make a scene. And I, it just, I don't know why I was afraid to make an Irish goodbye, to be honest with you. And I just remember thinking like, I just need to take a minute. Um, and so a different mentor, I was just like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to leave. And uh, he later told me he didn't, he knew something was wrong. He didn't know if I was drunk or what. He just like, you just seemed all of a sudden very upset. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going. And it was a post pandemic RSA. And he's like, well, you, you shouldn't walk alone. I'm like, my hotel's two blocks. Like I was just hell bent on getting out of there because clearly people were drinking more. I was clearly just not comfortable, but, and I just, I almost, I guess I felt to be honest with you, a little trapped. Um, and he's like, no, you should have so-and-so walk you. That same so-and-so is the one that did this. Ugh. And I did not want to tell this person, no, that's the person that did anything, because you know that would be a conversation. And finally, I just say, fine, yes. And he walks me to the hotel, and um, he ends up kissing me on my head, and I just says, okay, good night. Like, I'm going, good night. And, yeah. Um, I ended up later calling, I think, the next day or two, or maybe after RSA, the mentor, and I was like, I need you to understand why I was upset. And he did listen. And I said, I really wasn't sure if I should. It actually was one of his colleagues. And that's why I was like, I'm not coming to you for that. Mm -hmm. I just want you to know why I was the way I was and why I was so resistant to having someone walk me. While I appreciate that that was a kind gesture, I am a female. That was a male. He didn't think I should especially be walking alone at night in San Francisco. I get it. But I just felt like he was not hearing me. And I just, again, was weighing not making a scene. Um, so yeah, I think it's important that we just check in, especially after events like RSAs and black hats and conferences of that type of, you know, roller coaster and with that type of inertia. Um, yeah. I, I do want to say 
you know, like back to brass tacks, which is not so much proposing a solution. It's just me going to flat out tell people to back the <laughs> fuck up and say, I, look, you look, can say that. You're a man. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to take this plain state and just say, like, your outfit has nothing to do with them. Right. And that's this, this idea that like, I'm, I can't control myself because what you're wearing, bullshit. This whole idea that like, oh, it's a compliment if I say, you know, nice legs. I love that dress. No, you don't have to comment on her outfit. Her outfit has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I so, think that for the, anyone on this who's questioning how I made someone uncomfortable, I don't believe that most men that have hit on me have this intention of let me make her uncomfortable. It's, I want to sleep with her, or I want this attention, or I enjoy, mm -hmm. you know, her and I want more, is what I imagine is what is going through their minds. Again, it's not, in my experience, I haven't had someone say, sleep with me or you're fired. But, but the reality is, you know, I think it'd be easy for people to say, well, if someone hits on you, get a new mentor or just, but at some point, you're going to limit your options because I think the problem is it all starts out as a positive, like, oh, I just like your outfit or you look good. And then if you mm -hmm. don't, you know, and it wouldn't be normal for me to be like, what the hell? Don't do that. Because you're just giving me what seems like a harmless compliment. But for some of those harmless compliments, it's like, oh, well, I complimented her on her outfit. Let me compliment her on her body. And then it's, uh, let me just put my hand on her back. And then it's like, well, I still can't freak out because you haven't done anything, but now I know you are. So now I'm like, well, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. there are quite a handful. And what's more so shocking is married men and those that I considered mentors that have earned trust and they are smart. They are smart and they are professional and I want them to be my mentor so they can share that insight with me just as much as they can with anyone else. But then they've made it personal. Yeah. And so what do I do? I, I have to sacrifice that relationship. And now we're talking about maybe five great mentors that I have had to sacrifice or that I feel like, oh, because I didn't return the, um, you know, I don't want to say the favor, but I didn't return, you know, advances whatever they wanted that now now i'm not going to be their mentor and it's frustrating but i will say right on the brass tax part ask those in your network because i will say at one instance i remember learning from someone um, who was indian and it was a man and when i remember saying you know i do have to think about what i wear to work let's say which seems like such a trivial thing and not to make it a fashion thing but i am paranoid um, because I want to both be comfortable and professional, but not look like I came here for, to be served up on a silver platter to some man. Um, I remember him telling me how every time he goes through TSA, people look at him like he's a terrorist because he's has very dark skin. And I remember him saying, wow, I never realized, like, he's like, I know no one's ever put me on a project. I've never had a question. Did someone put me on a project to look at my body? And I said, yep, I also have to question people's motives. You know, yeah. take take away from in this industry, the social engineering and all the, those bad motives that we have to deal with or the question of is it enough from a security standpoint to actually do our jobs? I then have to question, I feel like, more and more on intentions and will something happen? I'd like to network just like anyone else, but should I mm. be should I be wearing a fake wedding ring? The right. That's what that comes up a few times. Will it work? Does it change anything? But so yeah. but you you shouldn't have to do anything like George is saying. Like the real attitude, and I guess somehow like a, you know, if as as a guy speaking to other guys are listening and stuff, right? And like the attitude is, and it's not just for men. Like like you point out, there are, the the problem can sometimes be both genders, it's just a different flavor. If if it's a woman kind of doing the behavior, um, don't shit where you eat, right? If it's a professional context at all, at all, at all, at all. And like, dude, I work in online dating. Like, that's my job. That's that's what I do. And and I deal with this as like a professional thing. Um, you know, it, it's just when you are at events and like I would include conferences, I would include like 
you know, um, local cyber meetups, whatever it is, all that's quote unquote professional, right? If you're showing up to those events, it's not, you're not there to pick up. It's not a mixer. Like you're, you're there in a context for work. And I feel like if your mindset going in is like, oh, that girl looks really hot and I want to make my move now. Like that's, that's the root cause of the problem, right? It's like you, you can wear within whatever the standards are, the event or the organization, wear whatever you want. You should feel safe to be allowed to wear in the Western world in like 2023. Um, You shouldn't have to endure being sexualized in a non-sexually appropriate environment. That's where the, the, like psychologically where the problem comes down to, man. Like, and it's like, that's always like why I've just, you, people can't see this because we don't have the, the visuals on this, but like I've been sticking my face into my hand this entire conversation because I'm like, these dudes just sound like the kind of guys that like probably weren't that cool in high school, probably weren't used to actually being around women in general, probably weren't used to having healthy relationships with women. I, I should like caveat that and probably don't know how to have an actual platonic friendship with women. Right. Like there are probably a lot of the the energy I'm hearing is just like guys who seem to they can't help but sexualize certain women around them. That's the root cause of the thing. I don't know, man. I don't know yeah. if I agree with that. I will tell you, and this isn't from my experience, but from what I've heard, it sounds like, let's say the generation before mine, right? Like the sounds like, you know, in the early 2000s, when people went to conferences or any kind, it from what I've heard, it sounds like a lot more sleeping around happened. Um, I've been told in various capacities. So whether or not it was mutual or not, I can't speak to that. But there is definitely a perception that this kind of behavior happens, especially at conferences. And so another brass tax right item, I would say, when I did do some recent thinking, I've, I went to one conference in Vegas and I had, I even actually had a client grab me and say he was stalking me all day. <clears throat> yep. Not kidding. And I thought about that versus my black hat experience. Now, my black hat experience from last year, I will tell you, I did not have any issues, which somehow seems like an awarding experience, but that should be the norm. Um, But I will tell you there was a big difference. I went to this most recent conference I went to. I didn't know anybody. I didn't go with, you know, it's not like I, Mm. you know, like a black hat where you just, there's people, you know, who are probably going to be there and you start talking about it beforehand and you plan to meet up. I will tell you last year at black hat, I actually had a friend who I trusted and we were going to another event. And even though it made sense for an Uber to pick me up first and then to go to his hotel to pick him up and then to go to the event, he actually asked me, do you want me to come and get you first? And I said, you know what? There was just a little bit of some craziness going on, not this, but you just never knew. Um, and I was like, if you really wouldn't mind taking the extra 15 minutes and just being there and just being, and then we were going to a, a really, um, I think it was like a Tiesto networking event or something crazy. Um, I was just like, don't leave me. Can you just stay by my side? Like this was totally off the black hat thing. And it was definitely at a normal crazy, let's say Vegas experience type place. And it was Tiesto music. And I was also, again, the only woman in the cybersecurity networking part of this. So um, I was thankful that my friend and mentor asked, do you want me to stay or do you want me to do anything? And I just felt like, hey, and he'd be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, I'm actually good. Thanks. You said at the beginning of this portion of the show, like you should ask, right? So you raise that awareness. But I, I think now you're saying there's also the initiative, right? And once you become aware that this is more widespread and probably more frequent than you would care to think, and it has this longer term effect, like you can also, as an ally, just like go out of your way to be, I guess, proactive about it. Buddy system, maybe. And on one end, I could tell you, especially as someone who I do feel like I'm an independent woman, I shouldn't need to have a chaperone. But at this point, it's nice to not feel alone and to have to know that I have people that have my back should something happen, Um, especially being a woman in a male dominated career field. uh, Again, I have nothing against men for the record Um, there. It's just, I've unfortunately met some not great apples, but 
I appreciate at times when I had that brotherhood as well, the the ones that have my back. Unfortunately, they're just not with me all the time, right? I shouldn't want or have shouldn't want to have or need a chaperone, but sometimes I've realized that, especially for some of those bigger events where these things are more likely to happen, it's nice. And it yeah. it goes a lot a little bit, I think, can go a long way. So one thing though, I just want to step back for a second i add a different or i add a bit of nuance to kind of what i'd been previously saying to you there is just human beings are still going to be human beings i'm not saying that like you can't go to an event and like meet someone there and like you guys have a spark or whatever but the the way the time and the way in which that's engaged or explored i don't know for for lack of a of a i guess like a, an agreed upon kind of publicly known thing it's easy to just like, if something's going to happen, let, let the woman kind of begin that engagement and then be like, cool. Like we should talk outside of this thing, like get, get contact information, do whatever. It's just more, there's a balance between like being safe to be human beings. Cause that's, you speak to a good point. Like people do like naturally connect, yes. but there's gotta be a way where we draw a line of professionalism. Agreed. And I, I would agree with that. And I'm, I did, you know, on a separate, totally different note, I did meet someone um, in previously and we had a spark and we went on a few dates, but it was, we met through uh, a networking thing. And then yes, to your point outside, there was no, was not at a happy hour or at a conference or at a work um, event that we went out and had drinks and got to know each other. And then, um, didn't work out and that's okay. But then we were able to keep it professional if we ran into each other again. I personally will say between all these experiences, including that one, I just don't want to, I, again, I think there's just more to it where I'm, I just, you know, there's other professions. I hope I either, you know, a personal thing about me, marry a lawyer, a doctor, uh, I don't know, a realtor. Um, I, I don't, I prefer yeah. not to have it. I'm not against it. I just prefer subjective choice. <laughs> I, I think yeah. the problem that we're not talking about is, and I've seen this unfortunately as well, is then it questions, oh, did she, you know, when she said that she was assaulted before, was she? Or was she flirting and she just turned out like no. guy? Or I think that, you know, it's hard for people to believe that someone could have un, unwanted sexual attention but then also want sex as if it's like i must be those are not, not mutually exclusive that's I just don't think the being world a human that. right i don't yeah. think especially the world gets that for women right because if a woman sleeps around she's a slob but if a guy does it it's like you give him a high five and i also think that you know this is a problem but it's a much smaller problem in the wider you know, in the world, I think the default person is male. When you think about, especially in cyber, I think a lot of people still think the default is a male. Um, and in the world, you know, especially outside the US, women have often less rights um, and the brunt um, burden, right? In a career, if a woman, you know, if a family chooses to have a child, a woman has a longer maternity leave and I'm not against maternity leave, but then some say that it's harder for a woman to get caught up in her work because she's not only starting to also raise a child as is a man, but a woman that has the physical part to get over and get back on her feet, literally. And there's a lot to be said about, you know, a man, no one asks men, like, how do you balance being a father and a CEO? But people constantly ask women, yeah. how do you, like, how could you possibly balance being a mother and or, you know, having a career? It's it's, yeah. it's cool because she talks about um, kind of what you were saying there at the start of like they're not mutually exclusive concepts. It reminds me of Billie Eilish because like mm. she's always talking about like how like before people were telling her, hey, you always like wear baggy clothes. You cover yourself up too much. Then she did like mm -hmm. maybe two photo shoots that were like not even like revealing. They were just like she wore things not that were baggy fitted. clothes, <laughs> not baggy clothes. She wore fitted things and the whole friggin world just lost their mind. And then she was like, okay, well, what do you guys want? Right. And yeah, like, I think go for it. Just had some of those. And, and yeah. as is, um, I think even some female politicians, mm -hmm. but regardless of how you feel about politics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to end there. Um, obviously a subject that could 
we could explore for a while. But I do really want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your stories. Well, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I appreciate the, you know, all the things you're going to do to, to keep this anonymous because I do wish to keep this anonymous, but I hope that does not take away from the fact that I am a real person. This has been a real experience. Um, and for anyone else who's been through something even remotely similar, you know, I hope this doesn't make you want to give up your career. And I do say that as someone who's considered sometimes, not not often, but I, I will say it got to a point once or twice where I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, I should just find a different, better, easier, more women-friendly career field. Um, so I, I hope it doesn't, I hope we can stay in it because obviously getting out of it doesn't fix the problem. Um, and to the men listening, you know, if you're, if you find that this is, you know, your questions, ask those questions. Um, I think that, you know, be willing to listen to the answer. Don't be defensive. If you feel that maybe you, you've done something that could be in the gray and fuzzy before, just be aware of that and don't do it again. I think that the whole key to this to be better is to have that growth mindset. Um, and if you are someone who probably is one of the assholes who's probably been unprofessional and, and kind of been demeaning to women in the industry, then um, you should cut that shit out and grow the fuck up. On brand message. That's great. Yeah, we're definitely going to end it there because right on. <laughs> <laughs>